Our vision of City Light High from the beginning has been twofold. It's been, I say this every week to my students, and our, our vision is we want students to feel free and find faith. And what that means is we wanted to create a place where students could belong before they believed, where they could feel free and build relationships and, and be goofy and dumb high school students and have uh, awesome relationships and have fun, but also find faith in Jesus Christ. And just to give you guys a little bit of an update, like that has happened. This, this last summer, we got to baptize four um, of our high school students who said, I want to give my life to Jesus, which has been awesome. And so I just want to say, I just want to say first off, thank you to all you guys who had a hand in this thing. For, thank you for the, the leadership team and the, and the pastors for, for getting to hire me so I could actually be a part of what's going on here at City Light and be a part of the high school group. And, and thank you to all you guys in here who have been my family. You know, not, not, yeah, you guys. So not, not like my family, but have actually been my family. I mean, so many of you, I just look out and I see so many of you guys who have invited me into your homes, who have um, invested in my life, who have smoked ridiculous amounts of meat and given it to me and my roommates, and who have just taken an interest in my life, who have taken me into your homes for the holidays. And I just want to say thank you. You, you've made me feel loved and welcome in this place. And I just want to say thank you to all you guys who have invested at all in our, in our ministry, who have, who have prayed, who have invested emotionally, who have given financially. Okay, a lot of you guys have, have provided meals on Wednesday nights. And I just want to say thank you. God is allowing us to make an eternal impact in high school students' lives. And it's really cool to be a part of that. So, I, again, thank you. You guys are awesome. So um, this Sunday, this Sunday, like, uh, I don't know if Chris said at this hour, but it's kind of a weird Sunday. So, so we're in between um, sermon series right now. We just finished Advent, okay, but we're not kicking off Luke yet. So um, the leadership team just said, hey, Alex, go up there and talk about whatever you want, which is a dangerous thing to say to a 24-year-old. But I mean, guess they, they were confident. So um, this morning, what I want to talk about first is Jesus. I felt like that'd be a very good place to start, you know, and but then I want to talk about this idea he had called the church. And when I say the church, I don't mean a religious institution. I don't mean an organization. I don't mean a church building that millions of people go to on Sunday mornings for a variety of different, meeting, for a variety of different reasons. Uh, when I say church, I mean the family of God. I mean the people of God, us, the people in this room, the body of Christ, people who have been saved and redeemed by Jesus. Church is not a place. It's a people. And I want to just talk about what that looks like. And now, some of you guys are like me. So when I say the word church, your eyes light up. You know, you've had a great experience in church. Church has been awesome to you. You know, some of your deepest relationships and best friendships have been formed right here. Some of you guys met your future spouses, and they, they, they sat right next to you, okay? They might be there right now. Take a look. Are they there? I don't know. It could get awkward. I don't know, okay? And so for some of you, the word church, it brings nothing but good feelings, and that's awesome. It should be that way. But for others of you in this room, the word church doesn't bring up good feelings, okay? The word church for you equals pain, right? Like we've We've all been a part of some churches who were maybe like crazy or controlling or, or manipulative, right, or, or hypocritical, right? Churches who, instead of coming alongside us and walking with us in a really messy season of life, picked up a rock and threw it at our face, okay? And so there's legitimate room, there's legitimate hurt in this room from churches, and you guys need to hear me say this, um, it's, it's probably going to happen again. 
There are no perfect churches out there. We're a young church. City Light is a young church, but I'm not naive. There is some hurt in this room from City Light. Like, not from another church out there, but from us. Like, we have failed to shepherd. We have failed to walk alongside. Okay, we have at times lacked patience and been hypocritical. I mean, I know I have. So, like, if City Light hasn't disappointed you yet, just give us time. <laughs> we, we will. We will. We're, we're not perfect. And I'm not going to sit up here and promise that we will be. But what I can promise is that we're going to run after Jesus. This is going to be a church that is committed to making him famous, to preach about how awesome he is, how gracious he is, that he would love an unlovable people like us. Okay? That he would save us from our own self-destructive dumb tendencies and call us into a relationship with himself. So we're going to run after Jesus here, and hopefully we get to watch Jesus do some more amazing things in this place. So our body is committed to making him famous and running after him. So today we're just going to talk about what that looks like. So if you would, please open up your Bibles. We're going to be in Romans chapter 12, and we're going to see how Jesus wants his body to function. So as you're flipping there, I just want to give us some context. Uh, Romans was written by a guy named Paul. Okay, and so for 11 chapters, Paul has been building out exactly what the gospel is. He's gone into crazy detail about who we are, who God is, and what Jesus has done for us. So in order for us to understand how the body's supposed to work, we need to understand everything he said before that. We need to understand the gospel and what Jesus has done for us before we understand what the church is supposed to be. So my first point here is really simple. And we can't miss this because if we do, things start to get screwed up and really weird. But my first point is this. It's simple, not brain uh, surgery. It's just that we need Jesus. That is my my first point. It's not mind-blowing or really profound, but it's truth. It's we need Jesus. And if we miss this as a church, then we miss what it means to be a church. Okay? We need Jesus. So we're going to hop into the text, starting in verse 3. Chapter 12, verse 3. Paul says, For by the grace given to me. And we have to stop right there. (laughs) So when I first started going to church, um, I felt like there was this language, this insider language that people in the church knew that I didn't. Like if you watch any type of TV, they get made fun of all the time. It's called Christianese, right? It's just these, these words that Christians throw out there Okay, that was just, that's that's awesome. Uh, It's just these words that Christians throw out there that I guess everybody kind of knew except for me. And so for me, this word grace was one of them. And now, now obviously, I'd heard the word grace before, you know, but it was always in the context of like, she is so graceful like a dancer. Or obviously in the context of the classic movie, Blades of Glory and Will Ferrell and the story of two male figure skaters, graceful all over that movie. But I didn't understand this word grace in the context of God, right? Like I didn't understand what it meant. So I'm going to give us some definition. What Paul means here when he says grace is the freely given and unearned love of God. So grace is the freely given and unearned love of God. And we have a hard time with grace. Right? Like, we don't understand it, especially when it comes to God. You know, we think, well, God's love can't really be freely given. Like, there's, there's, no, I, there's no way I have to do something to earn it, because that's how every other relationship I have in my life works. 
right? Like I have to look a certain way. I have to act a certain way. I have to say the right things. You know, I have to be nice, but not too nice because that's creepy. Then they'll follow a restraining order. You know, we can't go through that again. And, you know, hey, we have to be an amazing athlete. I have to get the right grades. I have to make a certain amount of money. And then, then I'm worthy of love. But come on, like, love is not freely given. That's not how this thing works. And that's what we buy into and what we believe. And if we really want to get into it, a lot of us, we're not even really sure anyone can love us, right? Especially not freely and especially not God. Because the people who are in our lives who were supposed to love us freely, who we thought would be there no matter what, bailed. Right? Something happened and the love was gone. And the message that we get back from that, that we hear loud and clear, is you are not good enough. You didn't do enough. You're not worth it. Okay? Some of us had dads in this room who were supposed to love us no matter what, who were supposed to be there for us, who were supposed to love us unconditionally. And then something happened, and the love stopped. He wasn't there. He left. And we conclude, okay, I guess I wasn't good enough. I didn't do enough. I guess I wasn't worth loving because if I was, then he would have stayed. Some of us have relationships that have ended, friendships that have ended, marriages that have ended. And we hear from those ended relationships, from the love that stopped coming is you aren't good enough. You didn't measure up. You weren't who I thought you were. So I'm going to go find somebody better. I'm going to go find someone who deserves my love, someone else who's worth it. And we spend all this time trying to make ourselves worthy of love. We think we have to drive a certain car, make a certain amount of money, wear the right clothes, and have our bodies look a specific way. Because, man, love isn't freely given. That's not how this thing works. And then that way of thinking rolls up into our relationship with God. And we think, man, I have to do something to earn his love. I have to make myself worthy of his love because it's not freely given. Nothing is. So I have to go to church. And I have to be a good person. And I have to stop doing these list of sins in order for God to love me. And Paul would say, wait, you don't get it. You you don't get it. God's love for you isn't based on anything you do. It's based on something he has done. God loves you because he chooses to. He pours out his grace on you, and guess what? We don't deserve it. We don't. Christ, Jesus dies on a cross for people who don't deserve his love and cannot earn it. He loves you because he chooses to. And his love is not like the love we experience here. It's not. He, his love doesn't run out. He is never ever going to stop loving you. He's never going to leave you or trade you in for somebody better. Jesus loves you forever right now. You need to hear me say that, that Jesus loves you right now in the midst of all your sin, in the midst of all your struggles. Jesus loves you and he's not going to stop. And some of you guys, man, you say, man, Alex, there's no way. There's no way God would choose to love me. You don't know all the stuff I've done, man. I blew up my first marriage. Okay, I am a liar. I am an angry person. There's, there's no way. I'm addicted to some really weird stuff, man. God's grace doesn't count for me. You don't know, you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. And I'll say, man, you're right, man. I don't know what you have done. But I would say back to you that you don't know my God. And you don't know what he has done. And you don't know this grace that was given to Paul that he's talking about here in verse 3. 
Okay, this guy, Paul, used to be a guy named Saul who was an awful, awful guy. He made it his life's mission to stamp out the gospel and kill anyone who would follow Jesus. He would go around to different cities with the sole purpose of finding anyone who would follow Christ and have them thrown in jail or killed. Okay, families were destroyed and lives were ruined forever because of this man. Okay, Paul describes himself in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 as a blasphemer, a violent man, and a chief of sinners. And he says and that Jesus saved him basically to be a trophy of the amazing grace of God. That he saved him to show everyone that no one is too far off. Doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. So yeah, I don't know what you've done. But I know that if Jesus loves Paul, if he can love a violent man whose life's mission was to stamp out the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ and kill anyone who got in his way, I think he can love you too. In fact, like, like I, I know he can. And, and City Light, we, we need to understand this as a church. Like this grace that Paul is talking about in verse three is the grace that we need to live under as a church. It's the stuff that makes our church function properly to know and to understand that Jesus loves us freely so we can in turn love others freely. Okay, City Light, we need Jesus. We need to understand the grace that he offers before we understand how the body works. Because if we miss that, then we miss what it means to be a church. So, Grace is the freely given and unearned love of God. And if we grasp that, then we can move on into what the church is supposed to look like and how it's supposed to function. So point, point one was we need Jesus. And point two, very simple as well. It's that we need you. City Light, we need you. Okay, so I'm going to jump back into the text. It says, Chapter, uh, chapter 12, verse 3 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So God's saying right here, hey, don't think too highly of yourself, okay? You got some of you guys in this room, I know you're really, really, really talented, super smart people, and God's saying, don't get drunk on yourself, all right? Think of yourself the way you ought to. Think of yourself soberly, okay? Don't drink the Kool-Aid, all right? You're not as awesome as you think. The gifts that you've been given are for my glory, okay? That's for free. Verse four, it says, as, uh, for as in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. So let us use them. So God has just given us the only uh, command in this section of scripture, and that is to use our gifts. He's saying, hey, you, use the gifts that I've given to you. Use them. Okay, confession time. So uh, ladies, I don't get you at all. (laughs) I don't understand anything. Anything about you, you know what I'm saying? So I don't understand anything about you. I don't understand how you think, how you function, that weird girl code that you have where you say something but mean something else, and I was supposed to, like, catch on to that. You know, the only thing that I figured out, like, for sure, is if when you're talking to me, if I look at you, make eye contact, and repeat back what you said to me, things generally go well. Like, they, they, or I can at least, you know, buy some time and get out of there and escape. You know, so I don't know anything about you. Girls, you're, you're a mystery to me. Guys, on the other hand, I know really well. 
because I'm a guy. And every guy in the world plays this game, okay? It's called the comparison game. And if you've ever walked into a gym, any gym in America, it doesn't matter what it is, we're all playing this game. We're all sizing each other up. We're thinking, I wonder if I could take him. I wonder. Okay, if a fight were to break out right now, who's winning? Am I going to survive? What's going to happen? Who am I taking out first? Okay, and we are constantly comparing ourselves to each other. Okay, we play this game every day, all day. And what I found to be true in my life is that when I play this comparison game and I know someone is better than me at something, I won't do it. If someone is better than me at a certain, you know, gift or anything like that, I won't even attempt it. Like, I mean, so I mess around on the guitar a little bit. I'm not very good, but I, just, I, just, I like to play. And, uh, and I love playing. But when, uh, when Zach Davey walks into a room, who is always back here shredding on a guitar, and I'm playing, I just think, okay, thanks, Zach. I'm done playing now because you are way better than I will ever be. So I'm just done. I won't use that gift because he's walked in the room and I'm comparing myself, okay? And so now music isn't on the list of spiritual gifts, but let's talk about one that is, teaching. This, just being real. I compare myself to our other intern, Andrew Rutten, all the time, who is amazing at teaching. And I just think, I'm never, I'm never gonna be as good as this dude is. He's younger than me and he is killing it. So why even attempt it, okay? So I just see this guy And I think, why? What is the point? And what God is telling us here in verse 6, he's saying, stop. Stop playing the comparison game. I want you to use the gifts that I've given you. Stop worrying about how much of that gift I gave to somebody else. Okay? Like, I want you to use the measure of faith that I have given you to build up the body of Christ in the capacity that I've given it to you. Stop playing this comparison game. City Light, could we be a church who doesn't worry about the person next to us? Could we be the person, the, the, the church that stops playing the comparison game with our super spiritual neighbors and who just uses our gifts in the capacity that God has given us to use them? Because, guys, comparison is the thief of all joy. I didn't, I didn't make that up. But can we stop? Can we stop comparing ourselves to each other? Then here in verse 9, we get into the list of gifts, okay? Paul said, in, in verse nine, he says, um, if you prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, to the one who teaches in his teaching, to the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. God just wants us to use our gifts to build up the body, and so many of you are. City Light, you, we're, uh, you guys are amazing at this. I mean, this place is full of people who are pouring themselves out for the purposes of God. And the place that I've seen this play out better than anywhere else is, is in our high school ministry. I mean, I think I have the, the most amazing volunteers in the entire world. I don't know what your serving team is, but my volunteers are better. I promise you, okay? And they use their gifts, They use what God has given them. They're not comparing themselves. I want to tell you about um, one of the ladies there named Kate. Kate has maybe the most mercy I've ever seen ever in another human being. Okay, It's, it's unbelievable. 
okay? It seems like all the girls who have really, really hard home lives are just drawn to her. And then her and Sarah and Rachel, they go out of their way every Wednesday night to pick these girls up and bring them to City Light Highway where they can be encouraged, where they can be loved, where they can hear about Jesus Christ. And I'll never forget when I got a text from her that was both really encouraging and super heartbreaking. One of the girls uh, who comes to our group does not have a very good home life. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's just not good. And um, she's, uh, she's texting with, with Kate back and forth, and uh, Kate forwards me the text message, and she says, um, Kate, I feel like you're the only person in my entire life that I can trust, the only one in the entire world who I can confide in. And she's known Kate for like three months. And then she starts telling me about um, all the different things that are happening in her home life, and it's just not good. And so Kate tells me, well, Alex, me and Joel are actually praying about what it would look like to have her come and live with us and stay with us. She is using her acts of mercy in ways that are impacting girls forever. She, these girls in our group will never forget her. Okay, I want to tell you about my friend named Colin, who just got engaged, by the way. Come on, okay? <laughs> He's not here, so I, I don't know. But... Uh, <laughs> Him and his family are so generous. Like, Colin is a generous dude. This semester, he took um, a couple of our, the high school students in his small group to a Nebraska football game. Students who, who have never been to a, a Nebraska football game, who will never forget the kindness of Colin and the love of Jesus shown through him. Okay? I don't need to tell you guys about Mama Kay. Mama Kay, oh, you know, you already know, okay? If you guys don't know Mama Kay, you need to because she is like a mom to everyone she meets. She will love you instantly and just do whatever she can to make you feel comfortable and loved and safe. And this woman heads up our whole hospitality team. She provides, her and her team, she manages a team of, of volunteers, you guys are amazing by the way, who provide meals on Wednesday night for all of our kids so no one goes home hungry, ever. You know, and, and it's, always, it's always great. I mean, if I didn't have her in the group, I'd be in so much trouble. And I wish I could tell you guys about Molly, who is serving as a foster mom, and Jared, who is discipling every guy in City Light High, including me, and Brett and Mark and Micah and Ashley and Lindsay, who helped me stay on staff, or help me stay on focus and, AD, and keep me, be for me on all ADD and stuff. And then and Aaron and Jake and everyone who's using their gifts to help build up the body of Christ, and I need them so much. There is no City Light High without those people. I need them there, and we need you here, City Light. City Light needs you. You don't have to be a spiritual juggernaut to be used by God. He just wants you to use the gifts that he has given you and the capacity that he has given them to you to build up his body. If your spiritual gift is teaching, then Go over there to a fifth grade classroom and teach our fifth grade students about how Jesus loves them. If you can lead or encourage, come talk to me. Because I know some high school students who need some guidance and encouragement. Okay? Need some guidance, man. Okay? If your spiritual gift is generosity, well, we're trying to build, we're trying to buy Omar. So, like, Chris made me say that, you know? So... God wants us to use the gifts that he has given to us, okay? 
He, he, he just, that's it. Just the spiritual gifts that he has given to you, he is not expecting you to be some spiritual all-star. And if you don't know the gifts that God has given you, just do something. Okay, stay here after service and help Kent clean up. I mean, that's what, that's what my guys do. I mean, uh, just, about, just about every Sunday I bring these guys, just about every Sunday. So I bring these guys to, to church with me. And... Uh, that's what they do. They, they help serve, and they use the gifts that God has given them to build up the body of Christ. Are they spiritual all-star Christians? No. Nope. Uh, do they, can they define propitiation? I don't think so. Can they walk you through the second coming of Christ? Not a chance, okay? But, 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 they can tell you that this is their church, they can tell you that they love it here, that this is their family, so they're going to help. Do they go crazy and steal walkie-talkies sometimes? Yes. Do they play cops and robbers and run all around this place? Absolutely. Jump barbed wire fences, get cut, and get me in trouble? Yes. Do they eat 60,000 donuts every Sunday? You better believe it. But they also serve on the parking team when it's 50 below zero. They also mop these floors and clean toilets and stack chairs, okay? These high school guys are using their gifts that God has given them to build up the body of Christ. And I just want to to commend so many of you guys are doing that same thing. There are hundreds of you in here that pour yourselves out for the body, who, who you open your homes up every week for city groups. You serve back in the coffee bars. You clean up. My ministry would not exist or it would just be really, 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 really bad if this body was not full of amazing people who serve and who pour themselves out for the love of God, who use their gifts regularly. But some of you guys, some of you guys have been coming here for a long time and you've never, never stacked a chair, ever. You haven't poured yourself out in city groups. You've gone, you've gone to the city groups that best fit you where you can be served You've never given to the ministry or the mission of City Light, and you're just here kind of taking. And I just want to ask you the question, like, what, what are you doing? You know, what, what are you doing? You're not only robbing the church, but, but you're robbing yourself. Faith in Jesus has to be experienced for yourself, but it can't be fully lived out by yourself. You need the people of God to experience the love of God, and you build close relationships with the people of God by serving with them. I've seen this play out in my life um, with Mark Huber. When, uh, when City Light started uh, about a year ago, I had no idea who Mark was. He was just there, and, and we kind of started talking, and we found out we had this really weird connection. So our grandparents were actually missionaries together in Colombia in the 80s. Crazy, right? We're way more spiritual than your family. But, uh, <laughs> but we started getting coffee together like once a week. So we started getting coffee together once a week, and we started talking about our, own, our insecurities and our, and our fears and our frustrations and which high school students we wanted to kill. And then we had to repent of that, and then uh, we just started walking with each other and doing life together and encouraging each other. And I've experienced the love of God through him. And so many of you have sacrificed your time and your comfort, and you've used the gifts that God has given you. And we need you at City Light to use your gifts. 
We need you to use those gifts. And when you do that, something really amazing happens. Something beautiful happens. And Paul describes it here in verses 19 through 15. When the body is using its gifts that God has given them, you get community. And you get a community that will love each other. Verse 10. You get a community that will hate what is evil and serve the Lord, verse 11. You get a a community that will rejoice in hope, verse 12. Be patient in tribulation and constantly in prayer, verse 12. Seek to show hospitality and be there for each other. They will cry with you when you cry, and they will rejoice with you when you rejoice, verse 15. When the body is using its gifts together, it is a beautiful thing. It's called community. And so, as I said before, there are, there are no perfect churches. There's no perfect body, which is why our hope doesn't lie in that, right? It doesn't lie in city light, being the perfect church, but in a perfect Savior, Jesus, who paid the consequences for our sin and gives us grace. And city light, we have the opportunity. God has given us the opportunity to experience his love through service with the saints, So City Light, I'm up here because people have used their gifts to pour into my life. You know, I'm, I'm a Christian because I experienced the love of God through my brothers and sisters. And there are students in this room worshiping Jesus today who have been poured into by others using their gifts, okay? All God wants us to do is use the gifts that he has given us in the capacity he has given us to use them. I want to challenge us to be a church who uses all that God has given. Could we be a church that's filled with individuals who use their gifts, who use their gifts of generosity to invite people into their homes, who use mercy to mentor students, who lead city groups, who serve in the kids' ministry, and use what you have been given to bless this city? Um, City like God has not called us just to learn about our spiritual gifts, but to use them. I, I would pray, it's my prayer that we would use them, that we would keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and that we would keep our hands busy serving him. I'm, I'm gonna pray. Um, Lord Jesus, I, uh, I thank you for, for all these men and women here, uh, for, for all the members and, and different parts of the body. Lord, you've given each of us different giftings and different measures of that gift, and I hope that we could use them. God, would you allow us not to be a passive people who fall into consumerism, but God, would you allow us to use the gifts that you have given us to bless your body? Lord God, would you bless this family here? Would anyone who's not heard of your love and grace, would they come to know you in this place? Would we be a people who love and serve you and are poured out for your holy name? In your precious son's Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen.